podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. I'm not alone today. Thank goodness. Thank goodness for all of you. Thank goodness for me. That would, that's not a show anybody wants to listen to. Uh, Andy Mitz is off this week. He's dealing with some family issues. But back with us again for the first time in a few weeks, our good friend, Jamie Steyer. Oh, hello. It's good to be back. It's good to have the mental capacity to be back. As I was gone, I was doing school things and wedding things and house things, and a lot of those have been fleshed out. So I'm ready to get back to the really fun stuff, which is sports things. Ah, sports things. The things that we were all here to really talk about, things that you guys tune in for, uh, definitely not for our personal lives. I'm always weird. You know, I listen to some people who don't want to talk personal at all. And there's some people who like like it and think that it's important so that you can like bond with the host of a show. I'm never really sure where I fall on that. I think it's somewhere in the middle where I'll sprinkle things in here and there, but I don't want to just be like, here's let me let me start the show with ten minutes on my five favorite barbecue restaurants. Just in case you <laughs> want to know those things. Yeah, that feels like there's yeah, there's some shows that are so much based off of like someone's personality that it's literally impossible not to. And then there's somewhere like it's so fully irrelevant that it feels weird to delve into it too much in the sports stuff. It feels more on the side of irrelevant unless you're getting into like the, oh, you know, my connection to this university or, oh, I was at this game or whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to regale everyone with the tales of my like food tasting, although it was delicious because it's not that important if it was that important you could just go to my twitter and see all of that crap anyways <laughs> okay uh we're gonna talk a little football here in a minute but i, I want to hop on with with this jamie last time you were here or one of the last times you were here we talked about um who oklahoma might hire as their men's and women's basketball coaches and obviously none of us really get poor moser that was the hire on the men's side huge hire awesome hire it's going pretty well so far i believe they just landed commitments from a couple of uh Basically, the two best players from Eastern Washington, who were the two guys that gave Kansas a ton of trouble in that game. Big get for for Porter. But the women's side, I had a thought. I pitched the the coach from Missouri State. And and you had a name that just so happened to be, just so happened to turn out, the correct name for who OU went out to hire. How how proud are you uh, right now of that prediction? I mean, I'm like, I'm proud, but... I, I was more surprised because like I threw out the name. Like I was very clear on the show. I was like, I think this would be a great hire. I also don't know that it'll happen because uh, it ended up being coach Jenny Berenczak from formerly of Drake now. And I mean, I just knew for a fact that schools had been coming after her really, really hard for years. And it felt like to me, she was a great, she would be a really great successor to Sherry Cole, just in that they are both, um, you know, at time of hire, young women, they're 
you know, extremely passionate. Their players absolutely love them. Very innovative, very much like X's and O's um, and can really do a lot with whatever they have, like extremely innovative. They're one that it's like that you never count them out. And so I thought that it would be an excellent fit if OU could lure her away because obviously, um, you know, Coach Burns that played at Iowa, she's got a lot of roots in the state. Drake as a university has such um, impressive support of their women's basketball team that the title of head coach is a named position because they have a donor who basically was like, yeah, we're going to endow your head women's basketball coach. So like the culture there is unreal. And so it would take the perfect situation to lure her away, which is why I was like, you know, I think it'd be a good fit, but I'm not going to call it as for sure the move. And it ended up happening. And I mean, it makes complete sense. I think it's an awesome move for her. I think it's a huge benefit for OU for the big 12 to have someone like her. She's a great ambassador for the sport. So, um, I, I mean, I've got the utmost respect for her, obviously having seen Drake play so much, I've got really good friends who have played under her. So, um, if you're an OU fan, you just have to be beside yourself with these hires. I mean, absolutely thrilling. It's crazy that OU on both the men's and women's side landed somebody who other prominent, more probably well thought of basketball programs and basketball schools went after and didn't get, but Oklahoma did. Mm -hmm. You pull Porter Moser from Chicago, a place he's always been, a place that's supposed to be home for him, you know, Illinois and, and Marquette and all these other schools that come after him, and he picks Oklahoma, which is a, a testament to Oklahoma. Then the same thing here with Baranchek. You've got a girl who, or a woman who lots of people have come after, is is coaching where she would basically view as home. And has now come to Oklahoma. Like it says so much, and I know it's frustrating, <laughs> but it says so much about Oklahoma how well how well run its athletic department is, the kind of jobs that they have there. Like it's not just football. It may be a football school, but that is the level of respect and the level of regard that people have for athletic programs at the University of Oklahoma. Well, absolutely. And I mean, just the I mean, obviously the coaches that they're following um say a lot about the way that the programs are the position they're in you know you're following a couple of legends who spent quite a long time at Oklahoma who are ending things on their terms and you know going out with with a lot of respect a lot of love um there and then just just yeah like you said I mean obviously <laughs> Oklahoma has uh, a decent football program, but basketball is huge. And when you have, when you have good sports in in any aspect of your athletic department, it helps. You know, the the good teams help each other out. It just makes it a more desirable place to be. Um, it, it makes it more desirable to recruits who care about the overall school environment. So it'll be it'll be really really interesting to see what happens there for both basketball programs this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Big hires for Oklahoma. Very interesting to see how the seasons go. I, I do think you're going to have to give them a little bit of time. I, I don't think either person's in a situation where it's just like winning the conference right away. 
But Transfer Portal is what it is. It allows you to turn things around even quicker. And this is something I want to talk with. I wish Andy was here, but he's not, so you and I can do this, and that's not a shot at you. Um, I've been really curious with the transfer portal. Obviously, the NCAA announcing that they're granting the one-time transfer rule. Everybody can transfer one time and be immediately eligible. Um, you've seen the Big 12 and other conferences waiving the interconference issue. We can allow players to transfer to other schools in their own conference. So it it's it's an open market now. That's fine. We feel however you want. This is the way it should be. This is it, There should be some equality for the players as there are coaches. If you can have a coach go from one school in a conference to another, you should allow players to, however you feel about players or whatever. If coaches can immediately leave and not suffer any real punishment, coaches or players should be able to do the same thing as well. So this is fair. This is right. This is how it should be. That said, I'm really curious with transfers. And with basketball, you've got a 13-man roster, 13 scholarships versus football. This has got a 85. And so in football, it can often take you, you got to have a little bit of time to turn things around. You got to show progress. It takes a little time. With basketball, especially how prevalent the transfer portal has become, it's feeling like the window, and that's just what I'm curious about, Jamie, your thoughts on. With basketball, you, you always have less time to turn it around because really you can turn over a roster more quickly. Plus, it's 13 guys, right? One or two players can make a massive impact for a basketball team and completely change a program's fortune versus a football team where you, you need more than two. Like, if it's a quarterback and a wide receiver, maybe. But you, you need more players than just that to help turn around a program. With the transfer portal being what it is and the ability to go out and get these guys more quickly, does you, do you think this puts more pressure on coaches to win more quickly because of the now ability to, and we're, I think we're going to start to see this, teams go from good to great or bad to good quickly because you get the right coach in there who gets transfers in and, and quickly just overhauls a program? You know, it's it's really a tough question because people are really divided on the concept of the quote-unquote free transfer. And so there's there's a lot of people that I think do have that expectation of it's out there, so take advantage of it. I do think there's others who see it as obviously a negative, which and I it's not even worth getting into the positives and negatives of it. Like you said, like they're their kids, they're this is their also their education. It's their, you know, very short careers in college, you know that's kind of beside the point but I think there's some people who would see it as okay if they're not going out and getting a bunch of transfers if they otherwise like the coach if they're otherwise making some progress with like the recruits that they're getting out of high school things like that there is I think the tendency to say well they must be doing this this way for a reason. And I think that that is, it's it's kind of a product of how much goodwill you have as a coach. Like if, if people really like you as a coach, if they like the players you're bringing in, they think, okay, you're building this culture. You know, it's always the buzzword, the culture. And so mm-hmm. if you're not someone who goes out and gets a bunch of transfers, well, you just have a culture of you want to bring in your own kids, blah, blah, blah. In reality... 
I think that you have to start accepting that everyone's going to be on the transfer market. Like, I think that realistically, any coach who purposefully avoids getting transfers is, I mean, being lazy, frankly. But I think that it's more that people are likely to make some excuses until they don't have that option anymore. Like it's going to take a couple of years until people finally are like, okay, this is the way it is. And they quit trying to argue about it. And so in a couple of years, yeah, absolutely. People are going to expect much quicker turnarounds. People are going to expect just a lot more chaos because in the same vein, if you have one year where a class comes in and they mesh with each other they don't mesh with the coach they'll I'll just leave and the last like kind of tangentially related aspect of that is the next four years of basketball are going to be unlike anything we see we have seen or we will see again because we're going to see the after effects of this year's class having an extra year and so there's going to be rosters that no longer have spots that up until this year they were planning on having spots for. People are committing or transferring this year knowing that, okay, if I was a freshman and I'm transferring, I have four more years somewhere. Or I'm committing knowing that I have people that were there playing an entire season last year and we will graduate together. And so it's just, it's, it's a lot of interrelated things that <laughs> I hear. I hear a lot about just talking about the, the way things are going right now. And it's it's gonna be really interesting to see how the public reacts to it because obviously a lot of this comes from like a, a very either in the know fan perspective or, you know, a, a fairly connected to the uh, the actual team side of things. So I'll be really interested to see like how much leeway fans are giving coaches this year. I mean, I think anymore, you're going to have to play the market. It's part of it now. And you got to be okay with guys leaving. And you can't get mad at programs or coaches for guys leaving. Guys are going to leave for a, a variety of reasons. They don't get to play enough playing time. Um, family issues. Like some of these, I know how we like to always pretend like all oh, these kids are just giving up. There's lots of different reasons a kid wants to leave a school. And now, and I think a lot of times kids stuck it out because it, they couldn't leave because leaving was so difficult. It's not just that you had to sit a year out. You didn't see transfers because it was incredibly difficult to transfer. Your coaches could put so many rules and things in place for why you would leave. So you just stayed. The option wasn't even there. The thought process of leaving wasn't really even there. So it's not a matter of like, oh, these, these former generations who just stuck it out. Maybe some of them, maybe it's most of them just didn't. It just wasn't worth it to leave. Now the opportunity to do so. And I think they deserve that opportunity, and that's good. We're going to have to get in some different ways of thinking about things. Because it's going to crack me up when you see fans or public who hates this entire thing, but cheer every transfer that lands at their school. Like the hypocrisy of that from a fan. And look, fans, <laughs> outside of politicians, I can't think of another group that's more hypocritical than, than sports fans. And that's fine. I love it. Like, do you guys like be as biased as you want it's cool it's fine your fans short for fanatic have fun with it seriously but the the public side of it i'm just like eh, i i don't i don't i don't care 
I don't. Um, because I think this is the right thing to do. I think most people get it. It's going to be weird as heck. Screw it. It's going to be weird as hell. It is weird as hell. Um, the transfer portal is crazy right now. And I know lots of kids are hopping into it. I'm not sure this is the best time to do so because there's going to be a lot of kids who enter the transfer portal who never come out of it. Just disappear into the ether. And I think that's happening mm-hmm. because you can't find a landing spot. And, and you don't want to drop down a level. Yeah. And so you've basically ended your own career. And, and that's fine. When I say that's fine, what I mean by that is those are the kinds of things you have to be willing to be okay with might happen. And I think too often kids don't or they get bad advice. And, and honestly, if you want to get mad at anybody for a kid transferring, don't get mad at your coach. Don't get mad at the kid. Get mad at whoever it is that he is influencing that kid. And his decision. Because I hope they're making the right decision for him. I hope they're leading him down the right path and telling him the right things. Or her. I hope that student athlete is getting good advice. Because I think too often sometimes they're sold a a, a load of bullshit. um, By somebody who wants to get rich off them. Thinks that they should be in a better spot. Whatever. Um. So I hope those kids are getting advice. I, I'm I'm happy they're able to transfer. I think they should be able to transfer. I think they deserve to be able to transfer. I, and I, I'm I'm happy with it. I'm just curious. Does it put more pressure on coaches? I think you're going to have to utilize the transfer portal. Does it put more pressure on them too? Because if you're not winning, and you're not using the transfer portal, you're not bringing kids in. You're relying on purely on we're going to draft 25 kids out of high school every year. You're not doing it right anymore. I'm sorry. You're not. You're not. You are not properly managing your roster in 2021. I'm really curious how this affects coaches because the coaches that get that and understand how to use it properly are going to succeed. The coaches that don't are not going to. Because this idea of I'm just going to draft 25 kids every year and have a full roster and all my kids are going to be here, it's just not reality. It's the, that doesn't exist. You're going to have to utilize the transfer portal to have success. Yeah. And, and, and it's, especially it's, it's really, I don't know that it's more impactful one way or the other for men's versus women's basketball, but especially for women's basketball, where you don't have the one and done rule, the fact that now you have this kind of open, open ability to leave, I think is something that is newer to the women's game because you're not used to I mean not every men's team has a substantial amount of one and done players but generally you're gonna see them here and there and I feel like on the women's side this this culture of, of being able to move around or you know leaving for whatever reason since it's it's not the draft until you are going to turn 22 is going to take some adjustment and I've seen it. I've seen a lot of, of really just uh, a lot of vitriol towards players for leaving. And, and I think that the biggest thing that, I mean, in, in many capacities, people just completely forget. People just don't even care to consider is that these are, these are kids, you know, these are teenagers are in their early twenties. And so, like you said, what it's, it's not, they're trying, you know, they're trying to do their best and maybe their reasoning is flawed to you, but you just hope 
whoever is in their ear telling them or guiding them along that process has their best interests at heart because I think there will be some really really concerning things that come out of it where you're getting all these promises that aren't able to be kept and you just hope that in five years you're not looking back at like oh man whatever happened to that person that was on our team that we really liked that transferred away or oh I remember that person on on a league competitor I wonder where they landed and and people are just not finding those landing spaces because due to that extra year the the roster spots are at more of a premium for the next four years I think it's good I don't want to hear anything about the kids should do this or this you're a fan of that school you can be mad at a talented kid is leaving that's fine you don't get mad when kids that don't see the field leave you don't get mad when kid it, like it's 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 fine. I'm happy for him. Um, we're gonna bounce around here a little bit uh, with different topics. Jamie, since you're my women's basketball go-to, duh. Uh, WNBA draft was this past week. Uh, number one overall pick, Charlie Collier, Texas, going to the Dallas Wings. Um, it was it, every pretty much every board you saw, every mock draft of the WNBA. That was the pick. Um, it was the pick at number one. From there, it was, I believe, as you described it to me, the most unpredictable WMA draft ever. Like, everyone had Collier, and no one had anything else going properly. Nothing made sense. Um, one of the biggest surprises of the draft, Kaiser Gondrasic, West Virginia guard, uh, going number four overall to the Indiana Fever. Huge shocker. Not even remotely projected to go there. Was a projected second-round pick. Going number four, was that the biggest surprise to you, or were there other surprises in the WNBA draft this past week? No, that was that was far and away the absolute biggest surprise of the draft for me and for pretty much anyone who was following it. Um, Michelle Vopel obviously is is kind of the go-to for a lot of these mock drafts. I know Charlie Cream does them as well, but. Um, she <laughs> she was treated during the draft. She's like, well, I'm glad that I get, you know, all I spend all the time to do these and apparently have no idea what's going on. And just kind of tongue in cheek because I, her, her final mock draft, she did have the first two picks, correct? She had Charlie Collier and then the Wings had the first two picks of the draft. And um, there's a young woman from... Finland, Iwakuir, and she is 6'5". She's an in- incredible athlete. So because she played o- overseas, the age requirement is waived. And so if you play college in any college in the U.S., you have to be turning 22 that year to get drafted into the WNBA. If you play overseas, you know, you play a year pro instead of going into college, that is waived. And so she's just 19 years old. Um, she was playing professionally over in Italy, extremely talented. So those two, uh, Michelle Vopel did have, but after that, it was a a mess, frankly, like, I mean, Ari McDonald went off in the NCAA tournament, made a really good name for herself, um, was able to jump several spots from earlier projections ended up going number three but Kaiser Gondrasic I mean no one had her even sniffing the first round you know Vopel predicted her getting drafted in 
the third, but the fourth overall pick, I, I, I like her. I think she's a really talented player, but I don't get it. Um, I think if you're looking for an athletic guard, I have no idea why you would go for her as opposed to uh, Dijon Carrington, a, you know, you, you still had people like, I mean, smaller guards went kind of later there too as well, but especially someone like Dijon Carrington could have been a really good pickup if anyone was going to go way above projected. Rania Davis fell way down from predicted at fourth, dropped to ninth. She's from Tennessee. She's a, a long point forward. Um, ended up going to my links. Um, hopefully a teammate of Bridget Carlton this year. But yeah, it was it was a really wild draft. If you want to just key in on the Big 12, obviously Charlie Collier went first. And then um, Kaiser Gondrasic at fourth, a, a weird pick, especially going to the fever. They have quite a few guards already. So that's kind of a, a funky situation there. And then all sorts of mock drafts had Natasha Mack way up there. Um, you know, some people talked about having Dijon Carrington, maybe first round and, and that, and those two ended up being the only big 12 players in the first round, you know, Mac dropped to the fourth pick of the second round. DD Richards, fifth pick in the second round. Dijanae Carrington, eighth pick in the second round. It was just, it was chaos for everyone, but yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there that I was just like, well, they must have some rhyme and reason to it, but I don't really know what it is. Yeah, most and I don't mean I don't mean to harp on Gondrasic. It's not her fault. She could pick fourth and, and she could be awesome. She could go and have a very long career in the WNBA. Most of the grades I've seen are not great. But again, how often do we see bad grades on on players who get drafted in any sport, not to any team, that are picked high and, and flame out, pick low and, and have great success. So, you know, uh, props to her for getting to go fourth there. That's awesome for Gondrasic. Um I'll be blunt. As an OSU fan, I'll show my bias a little bit. Mac falling all the way to the 16th pick was BS and shocking. And I I think that has to do with you started to see – you started becoming less about who's the best player and more about them targeting certain pl- types of players. You saw more guard forwards, mm-hmm. more gu- guards going than centers. Um, when you had – I don't know if you're trying to say her name, the Dallas Wings pick at two from Finland. After that, you didn't see another center go until 12 to the Aces uh, and another European, um, Liana Rupert from France. And then you had a forward center at, at 15 and then Mac at 16. So I think, I think more people had more centers earlier in this draft than that ended up going. And it's part of why she fell. I was a little shocked to see Dee Dee fall and Carrington fall as far as they did. Um, I was just I, to see Gondras go that high and Matt go that low was just definitely not what I expected to see on on draft night. Yeah, it, I mean, the players that were picked 
ahead of Mac. Collier was always going to be picked ahead of her. Career was always going to be picked ahead of her. But um, like you said, just there was much more of an emphasis on the taller forwards as opposed to a true post player. You know, the Sparks took Jasmine Walker from Alabama, number seven, and she she can stretch the floor out. You know, she's she's a little bit maybe more comfortable playing not the five role. And the thing is that I think that Natasha Mack demonstrated she has absolutely the potential to really develop into stretching the floor. And I mean, when she got the ball out on the perimeter, there was plenty of times that she was able to take it to the hoop and look really confident doing so. Um, and so it, uh, that's just another factor that kind of surprises me that that potential didn't entice people. But the other thing that you just have to consider when you're talking WNBA draft is there has to be just the most specific fit to draft someone like in the NBA, you get your handful of picks you can send someone to, you know, the D league, the G league, whatever you can say, well, we see the potential here. We're going to develop them. And I saw, I saw a really great tweet that summed it up perfectly. That was the WNBA is just a collection of all-star teams. Like there's not very many teams in the WNBA and their roster is capped at 12. Like, to make a WNBA roster is so much more just luck of where you end up for so many people. And so part of it, you have to look at, okay, what were the needs of these specific teams? Um, But I think that as far as women's basketball goes, there's pretty much always space for a really talented post. And so I'll be shocked if, if Mac doesn't, get rostered and play some pretty good minutes this year. But again, there's, there's just never any guarantee for anything, but Hey, I'd love to see her on the floor with Candace Parker, man. I mean, think of it this way. There's 12 teams. There's 12 roster spots each. It's 144 players. That's not a lot. And if you're, most of these kids are getting, or most of these women are getting drafted kids. Sorry. I'm old now. Most of these women are getting drafted till they're 21. So you're not coming in to develop somebody. Like you have to come in ready. So you're drafting people who are ready to come in and immediately play and fight for a roster spot. There's not a like, okay, well, we're going to go young and develop and grow. Nope. We got to get them in here. So even for the Dallas Wings, who had like a thousand draft picks on, on, on this year's draft, uh, like the idea is we're going to get our, get this team and, and sure they should develop some, but like they should be ready to go and compete and what this team should be able to win mm-hmm. um, based off what we drafted. So it, it's very different than the NBA. There's only 12 teams. I would love to see the WNBA expand, get some more teams in there. A lot of talk about that floating around. I, I think part of growing the sport, it's getting more visibility. It's getting on TV more. The players are becoming more recognizable. Um, I I do think that um, I think expansion is a step that's coming. Like it's it's, it's never going to be a a league that everybody wants to watch. That's fine. It's cool. Whatever. That's, you do your thing. We're literally sitting here telling you that these teams literally all have like the best players that can play. Um, that's why there's so many good ones. 
But teams are going to get attached to their team, right? Like, mm-hmm. find cities that have a love for basketball that would support this. Honestly, Kansas City makes so much sense to have a WNBA team. Like, they love basketball. They want basketball. I don't think they're going to get an NBA team anytime soon, but I bet you could find a WNBA team that, was, that would have some success there. Like, put one, put one there, okay? It, it just, it makes so much sense. There's one team in the state of Texas. It's Dallas, and that's it. And that team's only been there a few years. It's not even that old. So I think expansion makes sense. I think it'll probably happen. I'll be intrigued where those teams end up, and I'll be intrigued where the w, the Big 12 players end up uh, playing at. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, let's top a cop real quick here. Andy's not here, but it, he would probably be very excited to know that uh, our FCS teams, we've not talked about in a while, because the FCS playoffs – are set. The matchups are locked in. We know who's going to be participating on April 24th when we have the first round of the playoff. And guess what, Jamie? Home field magic is a real thing because all three of our teams made it to the playoff. All three. Now, you have the uh, the honor of being of having James Madison as your home field magic FCS team this year. They are the three seed overall, 5-0. and oh. Uh my North Dakota State Bisons are six and two, and in the playoff, we'll face off against Eastern Washington in the first round. And Andy's Delaware Blue Hens are four and two, and we'll face number four seed overall Jacksonville State, who went nine and two because apparently they were playing eleven games. Not <laughs> sure how that happened. Now I assume all three of our teams will win because home field magic is a real thing, and I don't believe they are playing a team that has home field magic on their side. That's a good thing. Let's check. No, because I remember all the teams that we picked, and they haven't added. Homefield hasn't added any new FCS teams that I'm aware of. There you Unless go. Austin P is Austin Austin Pay. I never know how to pronounce it properly, and that's fine. I don't really care. So, Jamie, how good are you feeling about your your Homefield Magic FCS team here in the playoff? Well, I feel personally great about it because obviously I have been watching extremely closely to all five of their huge victories over the course of the season. And I, I wish I, if I would have thought about it, I would have pulled up a roster and started pulling stuff out, like pretending like (laughs) I actually knew what I was talking about, but no, Hey, it's dope. Like, that's awesome. We got, we still got spring football. I've been like, busy busy as I could have ever been in my life but now I'm like hey you know what playoffs let's uh let's watch it let's give me something to do something to chill out and watch so I'm absolutely gonna gonna be watching that and it'll be it'll be a really cool time I'm I'm looking forward to it I think that we will definitely have another round of of our teams to follow because they're they're probably looking pretty good I think so you're welcome that I let you switch from North Carolina A&T to James Madison like North Carolina A&T Let's look at this and double check. Um, uh, no, no, not a, not not, a not enjoying oh. any home field magic this year. North Carolina A and T, and that's okay. That's okay. We have all of our teams are. And that's awesome. Very excited to cheer for Delaware and uh, James Madison and North Dakota State to make runs in this tournament. That'd be very exciting. In fact, no, none of them would even meet in the second round. We would have to have semifinals before we even get James Madison first North Dakota State. So bring it on, Jamie. Bring it on. So, of course, Home Field Apparel, the official sponsor here on the 1012. We are always, always happy to have them as the sponsor for our show. 
Use the promo code 1012 T-E-N-1-2, get 20% off your first order. Maybe your first order, because you haven't made one yet, is uh, is the new Oklahoma State line. I'm rocking my uh, Ride with Pride with my Pistol Patty shirt, which I love. The shirt is awesome. Maybe you, uh, maybe you are a Baylor fan who's been living in the dark and doesn't realize that they have Baylor, including a new... 2021 men's champs t-shirt a cut down the net shirt it's quite nice it's quite nice obviously they have our fcs teams that we mentioned james madison north dakota state as well as delaware and the delaware shirts are awesome the blue hen is cool they've got georgetown belmont tulane north dakota state i mentioned them ucf houston san diego state marshall vermont they have more than 100 different schools nobody makes more comfortable more passionately researched vintage college sports apparel and Homeville Apparel does. Nobody. It is the best stuff out there. I heard a rumor, and by heard a rumor, I mean saw a tweet from their incredible Twitter account that they've got some uh, some joggers back in stock and making some nefarious plans with those, I'm sure. So as someone who is currently sitting in my Homefield Apparel joggers with the, the Yukon Sad Dog logo on it, which I've decided is the way that I generally feel most days when I look at my to-do list, I tweeted it and no one appreciated that, but I think they just weren't paying attention because that was a good tweet. If you've seen the logo, just look up sad dog Yukon, you'll find it. It's a meme, but I wear them probably at least two days a week, but I also mostly don't leave my house. But anyway, all that to say, they're gonna put out more joggers and get the joggers. Also, they're nice and long. I'm six one, and my like extra larges fit great. So if you're short, you might have to cuff them, but you can survive. You can you can roll up pants that are too long. You can't make them taller. So they're good pants. Speaking of Jamie, there are sixteen now. Sixteen Iowa State shirts because I added some more Iowa State shirts New women's to the lineup. Cut one. Yeah, the the uh, the state shield's pretty good. That one's pretty nice. Uh, the the women's tank is is that is nice with the retro. Um, and look, big new Saturday's coming back soon, guys. Big new Saturday is coming back soon. It comes back in June over the next month and a half. They're going to release new shirts for schools that they already have. If I remember correctly, new shirts for up to thirty schools that they already have. Thirty schools are getting more. So you already bought stuff, and you're like. Or maybe you saw it and you're like, you know what? I just don't have an Iowa State shirt I like, which I don't understand. They've got 16. If you don't have one and you're an Iowa State fan and you're like, I don't like any of those, then are you really an Iowa State fan? <laughs> because I'm not sure. They don't have any in black. I'm not sure I can buy any. Not true. They have a black sweater. Technically, it's charcoal, but I don't want to hear any quibbling about black versus charcoal. It's the same difference in a distance at dark. Um, black is not a school color. Buzz off with that nonsense. It's yellow and red. It's too late for you now. I was at Shields and they had an entire rack of new black apparel, pennants, mini football helmets. Like, it's here to stay. Oh, I know it is. Like, it's a thing. It's it's whatever. And I really, really hope that they wear black. I never said this before. I hope uh, I would say wears black against Iowa this year. Just because it would be hilarious. It would crack. It would be brilliant. It would be great. What a troll. Uh, of course, they have Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, as we mentioned, Baylor, as we mentioned. So go to homefieldapparel.com, promo code 1012, 20% off your first order. Be rocking some awesome vintage, super, 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 super comfortable vintage college sports apparel today.
You know what I really want on this show? I really need a booze sponsor. Problem with having a sponsor who's alcohol is like, I can send you to homefieldapparel.com and have you buy Homefield Apparel gear, which you should do. You should do. I can't send you like, please visit suchandsuch.com and order uh, a handle of whatever bourbon. I would never buy a handle of bourbon. I was kidding. You buy a six pack of insert uh, local brewery here. It just doesn't work. Like, how do you have a how do you have a beer sponsor on a podcast? There's like, go drink such and such. It sucks that that's not more possible. Isn't it? Like, that's what I want. But I'm like, I got to find one that is available at all 12 or all, all 12. Oh my God. Oh, it's Sunday. All 10 schools. <laughs> all 10 teams. Or alternatively, conference. get one from each location and you just have a list so if i've been thinking about something like that and i'm gonna be honest that would be i would have like be six ad reads an episode like all right yeah. guys uh let me uh, let's pause after each topic we gotta fit another ad read like i want ads i want to promote things like things i like but you just you just create a different version and so you say Iowa State fans, listen here, and you have the Ames ad read. And also would be great for metrics. But how do you how do you make sure they only hear the Ames one? Well, you make different versions. So I have to put out ten versions like of the podcast. Yeah. So this is the podcast for Iowa State fans. This is a podcast episode for Oklahoma State fans. Yeah. And then maybe you put Easter eggs in there. Maybe the Iowa State one is just me talking. Jamie, do you want your own podcast? (laughs) Is that what you're telling me? Uh, I don't think I'd have to be subtle about it if I did. If you want your own podcast, I mean, I I can start a podcast network. We'll just have the Jamie, Jamie Steyer show. Oh, God, I can imagine how many listeners that wouldn't have. (laughs) That's where Um, I could talk about my house hunt and my wedding. I can just People start recording like myself talking to myself all day. People might like that better than this. Um, a couple <laughs> of quick notes. We're going to wrap up quick here because this is going off the rails quickly. Um, do you have any idea how good this Oklahoma Sooners softball team is? Pretty freaking good. God. Like, oh, my. Unre- I- Let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Texas is one of the 10 best softball teams in Division One. They are one of the 10 best. They are a top 10 program. There is a very good chance that they will make it to Oklahoma City for the Women's College World Series. I I honestly believe that. I actually think the Big 12 could get three teams, and I think that's how good Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas are. Texas is going to make it to Oklahoma City. They are that good. OU run-ruled them in a three-game sweep and outscored them 30-3. to I mean, I watched them play Iowa State way earlier in the season, and I was like what it like is this the usa team in oklahoma like unreal so talent i mean just the every position is so good they're freaking i mean they've got like pitcher after pitcher that is unhittable like it is it is absolutely unreal they play 33 games they're 33 and 0 they have scored. They have had back-to-back home runs eleven times this season. And repeat that. They've had back-to-back home runs eleven times in thirty-three that games. That sounds about right. They have 
winning streaks going on. 40 straight games, period, nationally, overall. It's the third longest in NCAA history. Uh, shout out to Brian Brinkley for these stats, by the way. He, he shared them on Twitter, and I'm going to steal them. He's the sports director for NBC affiliate in Oklahoma City. Um, in all Big 12 games, that includes Big 12 tournament, 61 in a row. Big 12 regular season, 52 in a row. Big 12 home games, 26 in a row. Versus Texas, 21. Thanks, Brian. Um, look, I am an OSU fan, as we all know. I, the Cowgirls will not win a game in the series. This is a really good Oklahoma State team. They're 32-4. and four, Okay? They're 32-4. They're 11-1 in conference. They're not going to win a game when they, when they face them. It's not going to happen. I, I, this is a point with this softball program at Oklahoma where if they don't, if, if they don't win a, the national championship, like, there, there's there's no Baylor to knock them off. There's no, like, okay, let's compare this to March Madness. Gonzaga was undefeated. They're really good. Baylor was Baylor was also really good. We knew that all season. Baylor had a much better game. Baylor won. There's no Baylor. There's no, like, it's Oklahoma and insert other team here who is awesome. Nope. No. Like, there's other good teams. There are other good teams. I believe, I believe UCLA is the second best team right now. Hold on. I'm going to pull up the rankings. I'm going to insert some JCPenney music, which is just like Kenny G. Maybe some Michael Bolton, Amy Grant. Basically all the things your mom listened to in the 90s. Okay. Yeah, UCLA is 22-2. and two. Uh, Well, I don't know what they did this weekend. They were 22-2 and two as of the 12th. Let's say they won all three games of their game. So they'd be 25-2. and, and two. Folks, that it doesn't it does it doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how good the softball team is. It, it's it's just not even it's not even fair. It's not even fair. It's awesome. It's crazy. It's wild. It's not even fair. Like that's just U.S. women's softball. Player. Didn't they play the U.S. women's team this year? Did they win the game? Hold on. Did they uh, pull like the Oregon versus Team USA? They played, I swore they played Team USA. I swear they did. Someone did. Maybe not. I swore we're wrong. Just ignore me. Anyways, 33 now. Yeah. It's crazy. They're crazy good. It's absolutely ridiculous what's going on there, Norman. Uh, my cowgirls are pretty good, too, but. I think this feels like a good spot to, to wrap up. Um, we were going to talk about Big 12 and college football and what's going on in European soccer, but I, I think uh, I think we've gone off the rails enough today. So uh, remember to go to Homefield Apparel, promo code 1012-TEN12, get you 20% off your first order. Uh, enjoy some FCF playoffs when they start next weekend. Uh, we will be back with on Thursday. I would tell you who's going to be on the show, but I don't know yet. So we will talk to you then. Podcast Network.